Najee Harris and the quick strike to Devontae Smith and he is in for a touchdown. Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty, this is the High Motor Podcast by BetMGM as we get ready for a massive weekend of football, wildcard weekend coming up, national championship, Alabama, Ohio State coming up. On Monday, and we are fired up to be officially part of BetMGM. We've been working on this uh, for a little bit now. Excited to be part of this, aren't we, sir? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm super fired up. I mean, we we've wanted to do more gambling stuff for a little while now, and, and so hooking up with MGM and, and being able to partner with them and do more content, give you more more odds, more picks. Uh, I think more more exposure, more coverage on different sports, and obviously, you know, football still drives the bus over here, but. We're going to get to talk about a little bit of NFL, which I'm really fired up about. I know a lot of people associate you and I with college football, and rightfully so, but we got opinions and takes on other on other football games as well. So it's exciting times. The last couple of college football seasons, 2018-2019, I think I would just have you on for like a special midweek episode, and we'd do like, I don't know, 10 or 12 minutes on your best bets, your 2K parlay. And then over the last couple of years, especially this year, we have essentially shifted where we do the, the Thursday exclusively betting episode and that has swelled up to you know 25 30 35 minutes per episode but then we've also sprinkled some more of that gambling betting stuff into like the Monday episode I mean even talking on Saturday we did an, an earlier episode a special episode on Saturday after the semifinals I mean even getting your thoughts on I think it was seven and a half points the line was at the early line for Alabama Ohio State sprinkling that in and almost giving that preview of what you should be watching, because as you've talked about so many times on this show, you need to have the timing correct for your bets. This isn't something that you can just come on on Thursday and have success every single week. So by sprinkling that in, you have the timing then moving forward. Because, I mean, mean, yeah, I guess you you tell that story. Tell the story of timing and why that is so extremely important, why we've kind of shifted to bringing betting into that earlier episode, why we're so excited about this moving forward. Yeah, I mean, really quick, gambling competency is a big deal, and you want to know, yeah, you know, if you want to bet certain sides or you want to take certain positions, the timing is important. You, you know, we bet favorites early, we bet underdogs late. You want to watch the line movement. You want to sell high. You want to buy low. So there, there's all these different principles that we've talked about a lot, and uh, I, I think as you've said, like as we've gone sort of deeper into you and I doing this podcast, I think we sprinkle that vocabulary more and more in, and, and we're we're kind of uh, building. I don't want to say a brand, but building a sort of intelligence around what we're doing here. And uh, I I think the partnership with BetMGM allows us to do more of those things and maybe lean more into some of those decisions uh, and educate people, uh, maybe go full tout sometimes. I mean, I I think uh, the the flexibility that we have here uh, to do a lot of different things and talk about the games, but also talk about the gambling, uh, it's really cool. And I think our audience is going to be really into it. And uh, I'm excited to do it with you. And this will be college football, but I can't 
promised that darts might not hop in or, or be- <laughs> what was the one you said randomly that you you bet on Belarus and soccer in the I, middle of the night one I time? Think, yeah, Belarus and soccer. I went like four and zero because I was just bored out of my mind right when the pandemic started. I had a I had a little run a couple years ago with Croatian soccer. I don't know how I even got into that, uh, but yeah, I mean if if I feel like I got a side, I'm gonna put some money on it. Yeah, but this will be college football talk. That's not going to change at all. We'll still shoot the shit on college football news, hirings, firings. Uh, we'll still play some of the games that we have played before, do some playoff scenarios, obviously. Off-season chatter coming up here over the next seven or eight months. All of that while adding some more betting breakdowns across college football, more betting breakdowns in the NFL. I know that you have kind of mentioned NFL a little bit over the years at the end of like a college football episode, but much more betting breakdowns in the NFL uh, with the expanded playoffs, so many opportunities coming uh, in the next couple of weeks here. And let's get into those six wild card games this weekend. We have a 14-team playoff for the first time ever. You can find my picks for this weekend on BetMGM, picking six games against the spread. Chase is going to run through his. So hit us up on Twitter, at HighMotorPod, if you have any questions about these games or you want to send in any mailbag questions in the future, at HighMotorPod on Twitter. We're not going to do deep dives into each of these games uh, and then we'll get into national championship opportunities because I, I really want to get your take on a couple of things regarding Bama, Ohio State on Monday. We had I briefly talked about that line and where you might be looking over the next few days. So I want to see where you settled on that. Let's start in the NFC here. Rams, Seahawks, Seahawks, a minus four. Going back through when I was doing some research for this, I, I was curious if my perception of the Seattle Seahawks at home was actually correct because it feels like Seattle just doesn't lose at home in the playoffs and they haven't they have one home loss in the playoffs in the last 20 years they're riding a 10 game home playoff winning streak in most cases I don't really give a shit about that type of history because it doesn't seem like there's usually a big enough sample size there it it felt like to me like in college football when a team or even like an NCAA tournament when a team wins against an opponent in a series for the first time in forever I remember back it was in 2013 or 2014, Minnesota beat Nebraska, which was a big deal. It wasn't even that good of a Nebraska team, but it was still a big deal. And then it's like during the broadcast when they mention this is their first win over Nebraska in 25 or 30 years. That doesn't mean shit because they weren't in the same conference for most of that time. So when we see playoff stats like this, one home playoff loss in the last 20 years, in most cases I'm not going to care just that sample size isn't that big and there's so much roster turnover there's so much front office turnover there's so much coaching turnover but I do care a little bit about Seattle because of their continuity under Pete Carroll John Schneider Russell Wilson etc and I really really care about the Rams in certain QB situation I love the Seahawks to cover the four here yeah so I I care less about the home record I think this year because of the rules surrounding the crowd but I still think you're on the right side of this, and you nailed it there at the end. You can get Seattle at minus... I think you had a handicap at minus four. Uh, I, I think it's floated back and forth between three and a half and four, so it's going to depend on where and when you get the number. Uh, but the idea that I can bet against LA's backup quarterback that just signed onto the roster like a week ago who was like a tax lawyer or some shit, like... I'm not even kidding. He changed his LinkedIn status from like accountant to quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams like 10 days ago. This actually happened. This isn't just some bullshit. This is not a joke. Yeah, this is real. How did I miss this? How did I miss this? So the the idea that I only have to lay like four points against that situation, 
I understand that Seattle's offensive line has been inconsistent for several years now. I understand that the the Rams' defensive line isn't great, but to me, this is about an MVP-caliber quarterback. I know he hasn't won an MVP, and he shouldn't win one this year, regardless of the whole let, let, let Russ Cook thing. But he's still an MVP-caliber quarterback against not even like a replacement level backup like sub replacement level I don't know if you watched the Cardinals Rams game in week 17 that was a difficult game to watch Uh, and and Chris Strebler was was worse than LA's situation so fine but the the side here is Seattle and I like the under as well I think this is going to be an ugly game Goff got hurt playing against Seattle just a couple of weeks ago that game December 27th uh, the score was 20 to 9 so I, I like Seattle to win a similar, ugly, low-scoring game. Give me Seattle, minus the points, uh, as you have taken as well, and I like the under as well. Yeah, the total right now, 42.5, and, and really going back quickly, the, the line on this has actually dropped to 3.5. I know that I loved it at 4, you like it at 4, dropping it at 3.5. That could be a significant opportunity against John Walford uh, and the Rams. Let's go to Washington Bucks Right now the Bucks an 8-point favorite. I mean, talk about quarterback situations. Alex Smith just isn't a good quarterback. I, I can applaud what he did this year in coming back. I can applaud what he has done over his career after being declared a very early draft bust. Maybe that's a future topic for another episode. Was he actually a draft bust or not? But right now, Alex Smith is just not playing good football. And Taylor Heineke was fine a few weeks back. I think he played in week 16, I want to say, against the Panthers. He was not good enough in that game for me to be I, I guess satisfied if Ron Rivera isn't just blowing smoke and they're actually considering rotating their quarterbacks. If he had played a little bit better, had more experience, he has like 77 career pass attempts. I'd feel a little bit better about this. I'd like this line a lot more if it was dropped a little bit to six, six and a half. That's probably not happening. I'm still fine with the eight, uh, given Washington's inability to do really anything downfield, especially against a unit that just doesn't allow passes 10, 12 yards down the field. I really, really like the Bucks in this game to cover. Uh, I'm on the Washington side of this, and, and this is definitely not going to be the strongest pick uh, or, or the one I feel the most strongly about this weekend, but I do think Washington is the right side here. First of all, the entire world is going to be on Tampa, and, and there are some very convincing numbers. Uh, I want uh, Betting against the public in playoff games, I want to say that uh, teams where there's a massive discrepancy on public betting fading the public. It's like a 37% ROI, something insane like that. So Washington clearly fits that system in this spot. You're getting more than a touchdown in Tampa this year in road games against playoff teams. They are 0-2 straight up. That's not even against the spread. They lost at the Saints. They lost at the Bears. And the Bears, I think, are a pretty decent comp for this Redskins team because they're offensively not that dynamic. But they do have a good defense that can muck you up a little bit. So I think the Redskins not only could cover this game, I will not be like absolutely shocked if they win outright. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm saying I won't be totally thrown off if it does. Uh, so I think that the Redskins, or they're not the Redskins anymore, uh, but you know, as a Virginia guy, you get in the habit of saying that. I think the Washington football team plus the eight, that's the right side here. And if you want to bet it, I would keep it small. But I think Tampa feels really, really public to me. And I just naturally go against those types of picks. 
Eight seems still like a low enough number for me to be pretty confident uh, in taking the Bucks. Let's go to the biggest line in the NFC this week, Bears at the Saints. Saints are a 10-point home favorite. The Bears suck. They're just not a good team. Therefore, I cannot put any confidence into them covering this line. I get it's a big number. We saw what happened down the middle uh, against the Packers without Roquan Smith. Jalen Johnson, Buster Screen, still dealing with injuries. The injury report is deeply concerning to me. If they had all three of those guys back, which seems highly unlikely, I still love the Saints to win this game. That number probably isn't that high, but I'm very, very confident in a 10-point number. I probably feel as good about this game as any other game this weekend. There's no way I can trust the Bears to do anything here. I like the Saints as well. 10 is a big number, uh, but I'm going to lay it. And and if you want to be patient... Uh, which I would recommend because it's it's I would not be running out the door to bet this game. Uh, mm. It's just a big number. But if you want to be patient, wait a little bit later in the week. Uh, I think this might be. I think this is the next to last game this weekend. So it looks like the money is trending just a little bit toward the Bears. At least that's my guess because uh, if you look at BetMGM right now, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, the Bears are plus ten, uh, and the Vig is at minus one fifteen. Uh, the Saints Vegas at minus 105. So you got to think if things continue that way, maybe you get a plus nine and a half that pops up and you can you can jump in on that and be under that 10 number. Uh, so that would be my advice if you really want to come in on the Saints. But I do think the Saints are the right side here. I cannot possibly put money on Mitch Trubisky in this offense. No way. So a uh, couple of stats here. Chicago against winning teams this year, one in six straight up. Two and five against the spread. So, like I said, 10, it's a big number, but I'm going to lay it and hope that the Saints, it looks like they're going to get Michael Thomas back off IR. It looks like because the game is Sunday, Kamara is going to be able to play uh, post COVID stuff. Now, he, he still has to pass uh, all, all of the tests correctly and everything, but he is going to have enough time to get back into the game. Uh, so, it looks like the Saints are the right side here, despite the fact that, generally speaking, you don't really want to lay 10 against playoff caliber opponents. Let's go to the AFC. Colts at Bills. Bills, six and a half point favorite at home. Give me the Bills at home. First home playoff game since 95, if I have that correct. I want to get your opinion on what you think the public perception is. I know it's extremely hard to weigh that nationally, but what do you believe the public perception is of the Bills? Crazy undervalued all season, 11 and 5 against the spread. From what I'm seeing, at least from what I'm gauging, there seems to be a lot of Bills love recently. Like, I'm not saying that people aren't still all over the Chiefs, but it seems like everyone has just kind of taken for granted what the Chiefs did in the regular season, what they could do in the playoffs, and a lot of attention has shifted to the Bills. And as opposed to going into the season, a lot of people are on the Bills right now. I'm surprised this number isn't higher. It could be because they're just whooping up on bad teams, but I really like the 6.5 at home. Are you on that same side as me, and do you think that I'm gauging the public perception of them correctly, and do you think this is the correct line for this game? Uh, Let me start here. I I think you are correct that the last couple of weeks, people have really jumped onto the Bills. That The consistency that they have shown offensively the year that Josh Allen has had, uh, the fact that there are a lot of options uh, offensively on this team, and that the defense, you know, it's it's not the greatest defense in the world, uh, but it can it can show that it the unit has shown that it can make stops when it needs to when it's in that spot. So I, it is obviously a very good team. I know Colin Cowherd has been leading the charge the last month or so. Like the Bills are the best team in the uh, the AFC. They're going to knock off the Chiefs and all this stuff. Uh, 
I am naturally a little more conservative when it comes to this stuff. I like to have seen somebody do something first a lot of the time before I'm just ready to proclaim uh, that they're, they're going to be awesome. I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are a good parallel. They've had a lot of regular season success the last two years, haven't won in the playoffs yet. And particularly that Chargers game in 2018, I mean, that was not some world beater team and, and they kind of got messed up by that team in the playoffs. So uh, I just, I'm not there yet on the Bills. As good as they've been, especially on offense, during the regular season, when you move to the playoffs, it's just a different thing. And I'm not ready to buy in with zero postseason evidence just yet. So when I'm looking at this line to get around to answering your question, I'm on the Colts here. I would like to, it, it's it's at six and a half at a lot of books right now, including uh, BetMGM. If you like the Colts, uh, MGM is a great place to go because you get the plus six and a half at minus 105 with a slightly smaller VIG. Uh, I would not be surprised if this jumps back up between seven and six and six and a half and seven and six uh, in between now and kickoff. Uh, but I want the seven. And, and if I have to buy the half point, I will, because I want to be on the seven knowing how good uh, Buffalo's offense is here. But I think the Colts can win outright. I think they have probably the best offensive line in football. Uh, I, I would have said that it was Cleveland probably a month ago, but right now I just really like what's going on with Indy. I know they've had some issues at left tackle. I still think the unit overall is really good. They play good defense, and I think this is going to be a gritty game where Buffalo does not find the same offensive success that they've found over the last, let's say, eight weeks. Uh, One of the notes that I have here, Indy is the best team Buffalo has played in two full months, and and, uh, PFF actually ranks Buffalo right behind New Orleans as the second most complete playoff team in the field. So the fact that I'm getting a lot of positives and I could, if I buy the half point right now, get the full seven makes me want to side with Indy. Even at six and a half, it feels like Indy is kind of the sleeper side to be on. I think a lot of people, are, uh, including a lot of public bettors, are going to be on Buffalo. I could see Buffalo winning this game by like 20, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's how they've been playing recently. But I also wouldn't be surprised if you get a 24-20 type of game where Buffalo really has to get away from the high-flying success that they've had over the last few weeks and find a grittier way to win in cold weather in Buffalo in the playoffs. What was the the pro football focus you said, the most complete team you had? Was it the Colts or the Bills second? Say that again. They, they, they ranked 1 through 14, the completeness of gotcha. all of the playoff teams. And, you know, they, they throw some metrics around. But they had New Orleans 1, Indianapolis 2. Interesting. Oh, yeah. no, actually, I found it. Yeah, New Orleans won, Indianapolis two. Uh, the Rams are three. Decent offense, dynamic run game, very, very good defense. Obviously, a lot of defensive interior pressure on the on the defensive line there. Uh, and, and Buffalo, I think, is maybe a little bit more one-dimensional uh, in, in terms of their reliance on offense. Their identity is purely offensive. I'd say their defense is it's not bad, but average to above average. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit more value on that VIG for the Colts, uh, minus 105 at uh, plus 6.5. So if you do want to grab that value, it would be a good time to do it right now. Let's move on to uh, Ravens-Titans. That's the, I think it's the first, yeah, first game on Sunday. I'm finally taking an underdog here. You've pounded home dogs into me for years now. Uh, home dogs have fared okay 
in wild card games. They're ten and ten against the spread in wild card games over the last uh, twenty years. I believe that number was seven of those teams won outright. I like the Titans to win outright here. I have some defensive concerns, but but probably not enough to believe the Ravens will win by at least four. Uh, I think we'll see something similar to the Titans' overtime win a couple of months ago. I know that a lot of people are still remembering that game last year. That game was just fucking weird last year. We're not going to see a playoff game like that again uh, this year. I think the Ravens had over 500 yards of total offense. They couldn't convert on uh, fourth downs. I think they had three or four turnovers. They only scored 12 points. We're just not going to see that game again. So go back to that game. I think it was two months ago. I think it was late October, I want to say, the 30-24 overtime win. I think we're going to see a game that's way more similar to that game than the playoff game. Again, I like the Titans to win this game, which would obviously mean they would cover the 3.5. Where are you at? Yeah, I had a really tough time with this because my gambling brain was vehemently arguing with my football brain on this, and I had to kind of figure out which reality I wanted to lean into. Uh, I thought that Tennessee plus 3.5 looked way too good to be true. Uh, and, and given Lamar Jackson's... Um, his, wait, 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 hold on. What were you expecting that number to be at, do you think? Uh, I thought it would be maybe like Baltimore minus one and a half, maybe even Tennessee minus one and a half. Like I thought it would be very, very closely handicapped. I was surprised to, to see Tennessee given the full three plus the hook. Like the, given that is a juicy number because you have the three in the hook. And given the fact that Tennessee beat them in the playoffs last year and the Tennessee beat them in Baltimore in the regular season this year, then you're giving them the great nut. It was like they were just opening up the red carpet for you to bet on Tennessee. And I found that kind of, uh, as the kids say, sus. (laughs) So I went and looked where the money was on this game, where the tickets were and where the money was. And it's exactly what I thought it might be. The tickets are split absolutely down the middle, but two-thirds of the money is on Baltimore. And that kind of confirmed what my gambling brain thought. Baltimore's the right side to be on here. Even though it doesn't make a lot of sense. Even though Tennessee's won the last two games, the number seems to favor Tennessee, and Lamar Jackson has never won a playoff game. There's still a lot of things you like about Baltimore. Even though Jimmy Smith is going to be out, you still got to like their defense. Tennessee's defense has been absolutely dreadful. I mean, they... They were lucky to get out of Houston with that win in Week 17. Their kicking game and just their special teams in general has been a mess. Baltimore's special teams is scintillating every week. Justin Tucker is like a minor deity of kicking the football. So I just I think Baltimore is the right side to be on, even though I have pretty major reservations about Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, like I, I know there's been a lot of like media push. To suggest that you know, if you criticize Lamar Jackson, particularly his throwing ability, like you have weird racial motivations, uh, I do not carry that line at all. I am happy to criticize him. I think some of the things he do he does are not long term uh, success markers when you historically look at the NFL. He's an incredibly gifted athlete. I want to see him do it in a game that matters, and and so far he has not won any game to me that matters, and I'm including. Uh, a couple of these Tennessee games. I'm including the playoff stuff. I'm including the Monday night game with the Chiefs. Uh, but that when I say my gambling brain and my football brain are kind of at odds, I see what Lamar Jackson does in these games, and, and it bothers me a little bit. But clearly, from a handicapping sense, it seems like Baltimore is the right side to be on. So I'm going to disagree with the Tennessee plus 3.5. I'm going to be on Baltimore this weekend. 
the last game here is it's probably the one that I'm least interested to watch as a fan, but I'm most curious about from a gambling perspective, and I can't wait to hear your take on this one. This Brown Steelers line, it opened at four and a half, Steelers minus four and a half. It jumped to six uh, right after the Kevin Stefanski positive COVID test news. That's just not a big enough jump for me. I, I was expecting at least two, maybe two and a half. So I'm going to enthusiastic enthusiastically take the Steelers here. I, I don't know how much stock to put into that game last week. I mean, what was that, four days ago now? It was an ugly win for the Browns against a Steelers team that just had nothing to play for. I don't really know what to think of that, and because of that, I'm going to stick with what I'm comfortable with. I really love Stefanski's play calling this year. Van Pelt hasn't called plays in a game in like 12 years. There's just not enough there from the Browns to make me want to take them. I really thought this line was going to jump up to at least six and a half, maybe seven, maybe seven and a half. I'm kind of shocked that it's only one and a half is what they're saying. Kevin Stefanski being out is worth the Browns. I thought it'd be worth way more than that. Too many questions for me. I wanted, I, I just, I feel more comfortable on the Steelers side. I don't know if I'm that interested to watch this game because I don't know how close it's going to be. But from a gambling perspective, I'm really curious to hear your breakdown of this. Yeah, Pittsburgh's definitely the side here. I, I think some people are going to be reluctant to bet it if the, the line goes any higher just because I think we expect this to be a low-scoring, ugly game. So even though the Browns, uh, their their options offensively, I think, are, are much uh, worse than they were this time a month ago. We can get into that in a minute. Uh, I, I still think because of the way this game's going to be played, if you're laying 7.5 with Pittsburgh, you're in the danger zone. Uh, because it's just it's going to be an I think an ugly low scoring game, and of course it could get away from the Browns, but I, I expect this to be an under a favorite and under kind of game. I actually grabbed uh, the number way early. I didn't even wait for the week to start. Like the the Sunday night game wasn't even over yet, and I had already bet on Pittsburgh, so I got it at four. I feel great about that. Uh, when you look at the Browns and what has happened to them. They have lost multiple pieces at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Chris Hubbard is on the IR. We've got some other players. We don't know their status. And that is what has made this this offense tick this year is the fact that they have, for a while, they had the best offensive line in football. They were running it down people's throats. They had multiple dynamic running backs. They could do it in lots of different ways. And then Baker was successful off of the play action and successful because Stefanski was using him correctly. He wasn't asking him to do too much. He wasn't asking him to run like Lamar Jackson because he's not Lamar Jackson. Now, there's a lot of people that aren't Lamar Jackson. But uh, regardless, like Baker is problematic sometimes when he thinks he's the best athlete on the field, and he's not. And Stefanski has used him appropriately by using him as a complement to the primary engine of that team, which is the run game. Well, now that the offensive line is banged up, you're seeing what Cleveland looks like at a reduced capacity. They lose to the Jets. They can barely beat Pittsburgh's backups at home. And now they're going to have to go on the road with a compromised offensive line to a Pittsburgh team that wants to prove they don't suck all of a sudden and that they can win a game, who wants to get revenge from a week earlier, and the head coach and other coaches are not going to be able to be at the game because of COVID protocol. So it's just, it's a lot that's stacked up against Cleveland. And the number's not that big. So I like Pittsburgh. I like the under. I like a parlay that puts both of them together. I mean, load up on it because it just feels to me 
Like those are the right sides. And even though a lot of times I'm a little wary of stuff that you can see coming from a mile away, kind of like the Tennessee thing, uh, this feels inescapable to me. It doesn't feel like Cleveland can win this game given the obstacles that are now stacked in front of them, especially some of them that have happened very, very recently. Uh, So yeah, I'm on Pittsburgh. I agree with you. One more note on this. I'm glad you brought up the Baker Mayfield stuff because as I was watching the last few games, and I'm totally with you, he started to look more comfortable. And even with their offensive line concerns, it seems like Joel Batonio was one of the, the players that tested positive. I went back to because Stavansky was obviously with the Vikings before, and even though he wasn't offensive coordinator, uh, it was 20, what was the Case Keenum year? 2017. He was their quarterback's coach in 2017. And Case Keenum and Baker Mayfield have a lot of similarities, I think, in how they handle the game. And it felt a lot like, even though he wasn't calling the plays for the Vikings back then, uh, that was Pat Shermer who had the phenomenal year that got him the Giants job for two years. It felt like he might have gone back and saw what they did with a Case Keenum type of quarterback who doesn't really have all the tools. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. And it's not like they were asking Case Keenum to be Lamar Jackson or asking Baker Mayfield to be Lamar Jackson. But it feels like they really isolated what Case Keenum was doing so well, and that play action worked so damn well for the Vikings in 2017. They were It looked like they were on their way to the Super Bowl appearance in Minneapolis, and they took what Case Keenum was doing so well. So I keep wondering, and maybe I'll have to do some uh, deeper digging into it. That's why uh, Kevin Stefanski kind of changed their play calling and changed their system a little bit for Baker Mayfield. So he's finally... I don't want to say Mayfield hasn't been successful a little bit spotty in his three years, but it feels like he has hit a groove that Case Keenum also hit, whatever that was. I mean, he came in a league in, in, what, like 2012, something like that, probably even before then now that I think about it. And it wasn't until 2017 that we saw really the best version uh, of Case Keenum. Anything else on wildcard stuff before we shift over to Bama, Ohio State? I guess just one last note on the Pittsburgh-Cleveland thing. Uh, they played on October 18th. The Steelers won 38-7. to I think you're going to see a game that's a lot closer to that than what you saw last weekend. The total on that game, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, 47.5. So if we see something like that, obviously that would be under. Uh, very curious, and not necessarily from an entertainment perspective, but I'm very curious to see uh, from a betting perspective, like you said, if it does fall under 47.5. A lot of games in that ballpark uh, this week. The Rams-Seahawks was the lowest total, 42.5. Let's talk bama Ohio State right now, Alabama 7.5 over Ohio State. I asked for, on that uh, early Saturday episode, I asked for your early thoughts when we dropped that episode. You got into Ohio State's value right now coming off of what, I mean, depending on how you look at it, maybe the program's best game in a couple of decades, depending on what you thought of that 2014 run. Now what we're talking four days later, has the storm calmed a little on Ohio State because I don't think the line has moved. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Even without the line movement, or even if we did have a slight line movement, do you have anything to suggest the love on Ohio State has cooled down or not that much? Uh, I, I think sober heads are starting to prevail, at least according to the gambling market. You're seeing a little bit of movement uh, toward Alabama, uh, and I think early, early on you saw movement toward Ohio State. So that they come out pretty much right after the title game and pretty much everybody hangs it at seven and a half. It's immediately bet to seven. I think I might have even saw a six and a half somewhere, but I think that was offshore. Slowly, the number has crept back toward Bama. And right now, bet MGM, you've got Bama minus seven and a half. That's the the big there is, is 115. So you are creeping toward that eight number. It's already gone to eight. 
at other books. So if you want to bet Alabama, which I'm about to recommend in a minute, obviously BetMGM is a good place to do it because they still have that seven and a half number where a lot of other books have already moved it to eight. Bama's the side to be on here. I can go through, I can go through sell high best practices. I can go through consistency. I can go through, you know, who's been the better team for over long periods of time. I can go through uh, the, the offenses and, and is it likely that Justin Fields does that again versus uh, Mac Jones and, and and an offense that we've seen do this repeatedly to, I would say, better defenses than Ohio State. Uh, I, I could also point to the the ticket money split. Right now it's about 55 45 uh, a ticket count toward Alabama, but three quarters of the money is on Alabama, which is what is pushing this number up toward eight and, and ultimately could get closer to 10 by the time we kick off next Monday. So I think Alabama has a lot of the signs of the right side. And I think football wise, uh, I, I think the, the reality on the field kind of matches up with that for me as well. So I'm going to stay away from the total here. I could see this becoming an absolute shootout. Uh, that that Alabama pulls away from, kind of like what happened with LSU and Clemson last year. Uh, I could also see this being uh, uh, sort of going away from the last thing that we all saw, which was Ohio State and Clemson scoring lots and lots and lots of points, particularly on the Ohio State side. I could see Alabama's gelled defense kind of shutting them down and just some pretty expectable, honestly, regression. You can't possibly go out and do... If you're Ohio State, what they did last game, you can't come out and do that again because we saw certain offensive stats there that had literally never been done. I mean, we're talking about the the stat about the five consecutive 70-yard touchdown drives or whatever it was. I mean, when have you ever seen that? So just it's so unlikely that Ohio State is going to be able to offensively do what they did again and do it to a much better defense, I would say. So I don't want to try to predict what's going to happen with the total. I'd say if you put a gun to my head and made me choose, I'd probably take the under. But I just I don't I don't want to have the exposure if I don't if I don't need it. I'll stick with the spread. I feel pretty confident about Alabama. I think it's reasonable for people to say, yeah, you felt confident that Ohio State was going to lose to Clemson too, and look how that turned out. That's fair. Um, but I just I don't know. My position is. That was really impressive. If you're a Buckeye fan, feel great about it. I don't think you're going to do it again. I think I asked you about that total on Saturday, and and you your first thoughts were over, but like you had said, you just don't really feel that great about either side, and we'll see how you feel by Monday. I was very skeptical. I thought 74.5 seems a little bit high. I couldn't even just... I couldn't see that at all. I can see it now. I wasn't seeing at the time like a 42... 31, 32, 30-ish type of game before. But I can see it now. I'm not all the way there on the over. but I think I the roadmap least... to the over, Andrew, I, I think the roadmap is one of the teams, probably Alabama, one of the teams gets up big, mm-hmm. and then the game script changes. So you have to just keep launching the ball left and right, and some of them get through, but Alabama keeps scoring, and you, you get to like a 49 28 type of thing. I think that's the roadmap to it versus just an absolute blistering old school Big 12 shootout. I really am having a hard time envisioning that. And, that, and that's kind of what I was getting to is that I I can see Alabama coming out 14-0, 21-0, something like that. And that's why I have started to get here because I went back to that Florida game, uh, the SEC championship game. Florida jumps out, or excuse me, Alabama jumps out. 
I don't know if like the game script really changed that much, but that was what a 35-17 game at halftime. So I can at least see where that over might come into play now, especially I don't know I don't know how Ohio State is going to contain Smith because Sean Wade doesn't look like the same player as last year. It kind of feels like remember how going into last year everybody was all over Grant Delpit and it turns out that he just didn't have that good of a year. He got drafted a little bit higher than I thought. And I get that Wade has moved around more than last year. LSU moved Grant Delpit around. But it feels like the same type of situation. One player having an elite season and coming back and not having the best season. I get that the transition can be tough. uh, Moving inside out, moving outside in. But he was just really, really bad against Clemson. It's not like Sean Wade wasn't playing at an All-American level against Clemson. He was just a bad player against Clemson. I mean, what was it? I think we said two weeks ago, whatever episode that was, you ran through the offenses Ohio State has faced, and you're like, guys, I get that like Ohio State's defense is okay, but they haven't played anybody. I think their best offense that they played was Nebraska, wasn't it? It wasn't even Indiana. I think it was Nebraska. I think like Nebraska was – no, it was Maryland. That's right. It was Maryland. They were a top 15 scoring offense. I think, but outside didn't the Maryland, Maryland get canceled? I don't remember now. Now I'm having a brain fart. It was Indiana or Nebraska. It was one of the two. It was Indiana. You're right. It was Indiana or Nebraska. Maryland was on the schedule, and that's what we had said. If they had even played the full schedule. That's right. If they had played the full schedule, Maryland would have been the highest scoring offense. But yeah, it was Indiana or Nebraska, and I have big, big concerns about that because they haven't even played a team that can do that. And I get that Trevor Lawrence and Clemson and all that. We can talk about Tony Elliott's absence, but... I am still so skeptical of this Ohio State secondary. And like you said, I think that Justin Fields needs another Clemson-Justin Fields game, and that, that's asking a lot. I mean, it's possible. Like I said in the Florida game, Kyle Trask showed us that that's possible or even a step down from what Fields did against Clemson is possible. I mean, that's the best QB situation that Alabama has faced all year, and they were really torn up by Kyle Trask. Luckily, they scored 52 points, and it didn't really matter and as I've looked at this game more the last few days, I'm now seeing where I, it could be a 43-34 type of game, whereas four days ago, I wasn't seeing it at all. Do you? I guess, do you see yourself becoming more confident on this total before Monday, or is this a situation where you'll probably stay away from it? I, I'll, I'll probably stay away from it just because I feel so strongly about the spread. And, and if I already like... A, a particular angle on a game. Like I, I definitely don't feel like I need to force it on a second uh, part of that game. So mm-hmm. if you were telling me that you wanted to maybe try for a parlay and, and you feel like you know what the game's going to look like, okay, I understand that from an ROI standpoint. But I just, you know, I had a good bowl season. I'm way, I, you know, I made, I, I don't know, uh, 20, 30 units on college football this year, something like that. So like had a good year. There's no reason to get aggressive now. Uh, I'm going to take the last side that I like and I'm going to sit on it. And and I really like my chances. I want to talk about the bowl season really quickly before we wrap it up here. We talked, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, the difference in strategy, betting bowl games versus betting regular season games. And we didn't really get into this for the semifinals, but where does that strategy then change is it something you kind of like have to turn on and off because you go into the bowl season yeah it was a condensed smaller bowl season this year but now we're hopping back into the semifinals last week and now into the national championship how does that turn and turn off for you and what type of I guess mindset betting wise do you have to then turn back on for a national championship in which they're 
mean, there are thousands of regular season games, literally thousands of regular season games every single year. You can look at numbers and you can look at stats, but there aren't that many national championship games and obviously not many semifinals either. So there aren't as many trend lines in terms of that picture, in terms of narrowing that lens a little bit. How do you turn and turn off that that lens of looking at a game like a national championship game and figuring out the strategy based upon historical numbers, or does that not exist for a national championship? You know what I'm asking you? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think I'm more concerned uh, at this late in the game with the team because this the thing about bowl games that, that makes betting bowl games more complicated is that the stakes are a little different every game and to every team. And so you, that's why, you know, you got to figure out, hey, do they, do they care? Or is the coach going to come out after the fact and say, well, you know, this game didn't even count. You know, you have to you have to parse those things before you get involved. That's and obviously I'm speaking specifically about the Oklahoma Florida game there, referencing Mullen's comments. But I said before the game, who do you think is more fired up for this game? Do you think it's like multiple loss Florida who just lost the SEC championship game, missed out on a playoff that they thought they might have an outside shot at, and now has to go play a Big Twelve team? Or do you think it's a Big 12 team that's been getting hot and wants to prove that they're for real and that, I mean, always wants to take down some SEC team? I mean, this the who would you think wants to be involved with that game stakes before that game started was so obvious to me and probably a lot of other betters as well. Like, it was so obvious that Oklahoma was the side to be on, which is why you saw... This, the odds drift so dramatically. I get that Florida said they were going to have players out, but you don't, I mean, that line moved like 13 points. You don't move a line 13 points purely because of players being out. It's all about motivation. So when you start talking about playoff teams, you have to throw that conversation about motivation out because everybody is obviously motivated to win in the playoffs but then what's the factor of like i mean ohio state and all that disrespect with Dabo, and even going back to last year's game against clemson how does that play into into your equation here because i mean i've long talked about how i get so sick of the hater card and disrespect card i mean every you can find anybody that hates everybody out there so how does that play into your equation when we know it was a pissed off motivated ohio state team because they had that tangible thing of Dabo ranked us 11th we lost to clemson last year and then after that game, we can all point to that and say, wow, they were motivated. If they lost that game, the narrative is completely flipped. So how do you, I mean, I know there's probably no way to quantify that, but how do you measure both things? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really smart observation on your part about, um, you know, it's easy to see that in hindsight. Yeah. I think if I would have come on or anybody would have gone on a podcast like before the game and been like, I'll tell you why I'm picking Ohio State, because Dabo ranked them 11th. <laughs> Like, but, people, but people, like, I don't want to get into people were saying this and people were saying that, but, like, that was being said, and I think that was, yes, after the game, like, that was the narrative. That was everywhere. Like you said, like, that was Twitter. Everybody, but that was also being talked about before, and as you've talked about so many times on this show, that public perception does matter in terms of betting, and I don't know if people are buying into that. Like, I don't know if anybody was watching SportsCenter and whoever said, well, I'm picking Ohio State because they're motivated. Dabble ranked them 11th or because they're motivated last year, the Justin Fields interception on the final drive. But it still makes me wonder if people actually care about something like that and what the difference in that is versus what you said, like Oklahoma and Florida, where it's so obvious what team wants to be there. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, public talking points a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time public talking points for me is just something I can bet against. It, it, it's it's something that I can use as I think the public feels this way, so I'm going to bet the other way. And you clearly are going to miss some games doing that. You will not bet a thousand. If you are in this market, if you are a, if you bet games to go ten for ten, get out of this market right now because you're going to lose a lot of money. Like maybe maybe we shouldn't say stuff like that now, <laughs> but I mean that, that's the truth. Like you have to be comfortable zagging and being wrong if you want to be good at this. Uh, so I'm going to miss some stuff saying that. Yeah. I, Obviously, just statistics will tell you, sometimes the public talking points are going to be right, but a lot of times they're going to be wrong. And so now, I mean, that that ties into the whole idea of selling high. Everybody is talking about, well, this is the real Ohio State team. Maybe, or maybe it's not. (laughs) And I'm going to bet against that idea that we've found the truth in this one 60-minute isolated instance. And... I'm not telling you I'm definitely going to be right this time, but out of 100 times, I'm going to be right more than 50. All right, betmgm.com, lines for this weekend for wildcard games, lines for Alabama, Ohio State on Monday. Hit us up on Twitter, at HighMotorPod, with your bets for the weekend. Curious what everybody is doing, uh, particularly for Alabama, Ohio State. Let me ask you this before we wrap it up here. If Alabama doesn't win this game, what are we talking about on Tuesday? Because at, at that point... Entering the 2021 season, it'll be four years since Alabama's last championship. What are we talking about on Tuesday if they don't win? I think it'll be about Ohio State. I think it'll be, hey, we doubted Ohio State. I think in a lot of cases we were route, we were right to doubt them. Uh, I, I don't think it's inappropriate to say, hey, who have you played when you haven't played anybody? But ultimately, they were right. That they, they were really, really good. They were considered a preseason favorite. And it turns out that hype was justified. I think that's what we'll be talking about. All right. We appreciate you all dropping by. We're going to have a hell of a lot of fun on the High Motor Podcast by BetMGM uh, in the coming weeks and months. Hit that subscribe button on Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you're using. We promise we will make it worth your while. We will see you back here next. I saw a friend today. It had been a while. And we forgot each other's name. But it didn't matter cause deep inside The feeling still remained the same We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in between